0: We've been answering one question all year and since January, really. And this question is extremely important for us as followers of Christ. And we're answering one question What is it? That's right. What do I believe? And this is an important question because we need to be able to know what God's Word says. We need to be able to understand what we believe, why we believe it, and how it relates to our lives today. We also are answering this question because our world is full of inconsistencies about the truth of God's Word. And we want to know what God's truth is so that we can also know what what the truth is not. And we can um, combat that in our mind. Now, today, I want to talk about another truth that we believe as followers of Jesus, and that is the return of Jesus. We often refer to it as the second coming of Christ, the rapture, his return. We all have different phrases for it. But um, I would like to talk about that this morning because it's kind of the extension of the story that we've been talking about over the past several weeks. His first visit to earth, he took on human flesh. He humbly died on a cross. He came back to life to restore relationship with God the Father for us. The second coming of Jesus will be very, very different than the first. The first was a very humble scene. A virgin in a stable with a couple of animals, and that's it. Very humble. The second coming will be much different. The Bible tells us that everyone on the planet will see him return that he won't be riding a donkey as king, he'll now be riding his war horse. And it will be a completely different situation. And we want to look at that this morning as he ushers in the end of creation as we know it. Now I want to show us today how our lives also become richer and more focused as we believe that Jesus is the coming king. This isn't just something to believe so that we have some sort of biblical knowledge or some sort of theological idea or viewpoint. This actually can change your life today. And it can change your life every day by understanding that Jesus can come back at any moment and at any time and any day. This truth is actually huge for us as followers of Jesus. Now, it's huge because God has told us the end of the story, now, that's a big deal. I'll talk about that throughout my message and how, how much of a big deal it is that you know the end of the story. God has told us how the earth is going to end and how our personal lives are going to end. That's not a small thing. In fact, it's huge. And believing it changes the way we think, the way we deal with people, the way we think about ourselves, the way we look at ourselves in the mirror. It changes how we address every challenge and situation and circumstance in our life when we understand that Jesus is coming back. It has a direct influence on how we are living today. So grab your Bible or turn your Bible on, whichever you do, and we're going to start in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, we are going to look at the moment that Jesus returns back to heaven and the angels give this great uh, utterance that Jesus will be returning. And it's a, it's a powerful moment for us as believers. It's a very helpful moment for us to understand what Jesus is doing and what he has done. Now, let me set the stage for this. Uh, remember, over the past month, Jesus has ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey, declared himself as king to fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecies. He's died on the cross for your sin and mine so that when we believe in the cross, we are free from our sin. He's come back to life. He's risen from the dead so that as we believe in him, Death no longer has sting over us, no longer has power over our lives, and eternal life is now our destiny, and heaven is our home. All of those things were true. Now, for the next 40 days, Jesus is going to hang out alive with his followers, different scenarios, different opportunities, and reveal himself to them. And then in Acts chapter 1, um, he's going to give them his last words, and then he's going to go back home. And so I want us to start there, and then we'll look at some other verses as well along the way and talk about how important it is that Jesus is the coming king. So look at Acts chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 7. Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So here's the promise. This is like the first, at least, New Testament reference to it. Several references in the Old Testament as well. But here's like the first reference in the New Testament of Jesus coming back. And this event records Jesus leaving earth right in front of their eyes. He lifts off the planet, off into the clouds, and up to heaven he goes. And as he goes, they're staring up into the sky like you and I would have been, probably jaws wide open, catching some flies, going, What in the world just happened? He's gone. And in that instant, it's interesting. um, We see this repeat of two angels. Where did we see them before? In the tomb. These two angels sitting in the tomb, revealing that Jesus has come back from the dead, and now here they are again, and they're revealing that Jesus will come back in the same way that they just saw him leave. Now this starts the theological idea and the premise throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament as well, that Jesus will return, that he will come back. And I want to show us two other sections of scripture that talk about this as well, so that we can make reference to it, understand it better, and, um, and study through it this morning. So uh, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 16 with me. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible sound, noise, and every element themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. And then just jump a little bit ahead to Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. And this is the section in the book of Revelation talking about Jesus' return as well. Uh, You probably know that the book of Revelation, the entire thing, is about Jesus' return, except for the first couple chapters, chapters 1 through 3. But the rest is about this great and awesome day. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 says, I saw standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So the Bible describes a pretty monumental moment that will take place at some point in our future. And our future, that could mean one o'clock today. Could mean one o'clock today, could be tomorrow, could be a year from now, could be 10, could be 20, could be 100, we don't know. But the Bible is describing this incredible moment when Jesus returns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It will most doubtedly be a pretty crazy day when the entire world sees Jesus and all of the armies of heaven coming out of the clouds. It will be a pretty awesome moment. Now, at this time, everyone will realize and there will be no doubt that Jesus is real and we will all know who the ultimate authority in the universe is. Now, as we begin, let me talk about some facts about Jesus' return that were in the verses that we just read. I think it's important for us to start there. Let's talk about some facts because there are lots of things that we talk about sometimes in the kingdom of God and ideas we throw out and throw around. And I think it would be important for us to look at the facts as we just read from God's word. So here's the first fact. No one knows When Jesus is coming back. Now, could you say to your neighbor, no one knows when Jesus is coming back? Okay, say it to your neighbor. No, let me say it again. No one knows when Jesus is coming back. That was extremely clear in Acts chapter 1. It was extremely clear in 2 Peter 3. Now, I could spend the rest of the morning harping on how the body of Christ in America has completely gotten this wrong but I will not. Let me just say this. We need to stop spending our time processing and thinking when Jesus will come back and witnessing to our neighbor about Jesus as a savior. That's our mission. That's our job. That's our role. But for the long time, the body of Christ has spent millions of dollars, millions of sermons, millions of time talking thinking, processing, dreaming about when Jesus is going to come back. And Jesus says, I don't even want you to think about that. I don't even want you concerned about it. I don't even want you spending or wasting any of your moments on it. I want you to make disciples of your neighbor. And so I just want to start there. Okay. The next fact that we see is Peter says Jesus return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night, just Bam! Randomly. There he is. There's Jesus. Now, if Jesus can come back at any time, and unexpectedly he can come at any time, then that means we need to be prepared for that. And our daily life and our everyday life needs to be ready for that moment. Another fact is that God is patient to return so that many people can be saved so that people can, be, can repent to be saved. That's another fact. Here's another fact that we read. Earth and heaven will pass away. God will actually burn up this planet, burn up heaven, and we'll get a new heaven and a new earth. Now, why is that important? It's important for our daily lives because if you're holding on to something here on this planet, let me just tell you, what you're holding on to is a log. A log that goes on the fire. <laughs> That's what you're holding on to. My boat, my truck, my house, it's all kindling. That's all it is. Everything on this planet is kindling. And so we, we wouldn't focus all of our attention on kindling, would we? We need to focus our attention on Jesus. Here's another fact when Jesus returns, he'll be riding his war, war horse this time, not a donkey. When he comes the next time, he's riding his war horse and all of the armies of heaven are coming with him. Another fact is evil will be destroyed by the wrath of God and the kingdom of righteousness will be ushered in. And another fact is everyone will see Jesus as king of kings and lord of lords. These are the facts that God's word gives us about Jesus' return. Now, there are several others, obviously, um, but these are the facts in the sections that we read this morning. Now, while we are rating for Jesus' return, there are several ways that I believe Jesus' return changes our lives today. Okay? How does this idea, how does this fact, how does this belief about Jesus' return? change my life today. When I wake up tomorrow morning, the alarm clock goes off, and I got to kick my feet out of bed and head to work. How does this theological understanding help me? Well, first, I believe Jesus' return helps us adjust our attitude, okay? Now, how many in the room occasionally need an attitude adjustment? Okay, great. All right. All of you are like me. Wow, this side of the room is exceptional. <laughs> this, whoo, Wow. Somebody over here needs to come preach because I need adjustments all the time. Um, Jesus' return helps us adjust our attitude. Let me ask some questions. Have you found yourself recently getting angry about what you see happening in the world? Does it feel like sometimes your heart is getting hard towards people that don't know Jesus and are promoting ungodly values? Are there days you just want to scream about what your kids and your grandkids are being exposed to today? See, if we stay in that place, what happens? Our heart gets hard. If we stay in that place, we turn into a Pharisee. If we stay in that place, we become judgmental and angry and frustrated. And guess what? We stop loving We stop doing the very thing that Jesus told us to do, which is to love everyone and to pray for our enemies, to be gracious and kind, to care for those that need caring, to take care of the poor. All of those things go away, and I need an attitude adjustment. Now, the return of Jesus helps me adjust my attitude. How does the return of Jesus help me adjust my attitude? It helps me in this way. When you and I know what happens at the end of the story, everything in the middle of the story is not so bad anymore. Okay? When I know the end of the story, what's happening in the middle of the story doesn't make me mad and anxious and worried and upset and just totally stressed out. Let me give you an example. When I DVR a football game that I want to watch, here's what I do. I set the DVR to go off, and then I try as hard as I can whenever I hear somebody talking about that game to walk away. I try not to look at my phone. If somebody starts to talk about it, I'll go, hey, hey, so hold on, hold on. I I DVR'd the game this morning. You know Pastor Mark preaches on Sunday morning. I don't get to go home and have the luxury of watching the game like you do because I've got second service. So please don't talk to me about the game. I don't want to know the scores or any. But inevitably what? Somebody lets it out of the bag inevitably somebody lets it out and that's fine because the Niners are always winning and so then I know, okay, the Niners won. So that's fine, that's great, but here's what happens, right? Now when I go home and I DVR the game and I watch the DVR, which is great because I can skip through the commercials, but I know the end, okay? So I know the Niners win in the end. So in the first quarter when they fumble the ball, Pastor Mark doesn't go, ah, dang it! Fumble again, I just go, oh, that's all right, that's all right, It's fine. We win in the end. In the second quarter, when he throws an interception, I don't go, oh, come on, who are you throwing it to? Because in the end, I, I know they win the game. In the fourth quarter, when they're on the goal line, they're on the one-yard line, and the guard holds, and we're backed up 10 more yards, I don't go crazy yelling at the screen. Uh, maybe I do. But... Um, <laughs> I know the end, right? I know the end. So it doesn't really get me as much. So what's happening in the middle and the challenges and the difficulties and the problems that are happening in the middle don't get me as much because I know the end. Let me give you another example. How many of you have read or watched the movie Unbroken about Louis Zamperini great story, by the way, if you haven't read it, runs in the thirty-six Olympic Games, ends up in World War II in a plane, they crash in the middle of the ocean, and they have the most crazy 47 days in a raft in the middle of the ocean. But you know the end of the story. I mean, Louis lives to be 92, has a great life, and so you kind of know the end of the story. So while you're reading the story, and you're reading about these three guys on a raft, and They have no water, they're starving to death, sharks are attacking them, the sun's beating down on them, Japanese fighters are trying to shoot them down, and Mac dies on day 33, and they eat a bird and start puking everywhere. I mean, it's just awful over and over and over again, but you're kind of like, yeah, but he gets out of it. So like in the middle of it, you're like, I'm okay. This is what I'm talking about. See, believing that Jesus will return and make everything right and set up his kingdom and the righteousness of Christ will reign forever helps me in the middle of my life right now. Helps me in the middle of my circumstances right now because I know, I know the end of the story. You know the end of the story. You know the end of your personal life story, and you know the end of the story for heaven and earth and everyone in it. If you're reading God's word, you know the end of the story. That helps you in the middle of our trials. It helps us in the middle of our circumstances. It helps us in the middle of our challenging things. See, when we look around and see the evil disrupting our world, we don't need to freak out about it. Because we understand that the present troubles are not the end of the story. They're only momentary. Now, I'm not making light of our difficult situations. Let me, let me, help me understand that, right? I'm not making light of those situations that we face during our lifetime. But when you know the end of the story, then we can process and walk through those difficulties in a different way. You can walk through those moments of life in a different way because you know the end of the story. And our hearts and our minds can be focused on Jesus. See, when the end of the story of our planet is that Jesus makes everything right, then we don't have to stress about all the wrong that's happening now. What we can do is focus on what we're supposed to, loving everyone and making disciples. And when the end of the story of our personal lives is that we go to heaven because we believe in Jesus, then this means that the things that happen in the middle of our personal story that are very challenging and very stressful don't have the power to cause overwhelming pain because we know the end of our story is glorious. Even if the end of my story might be cut short a little bit because of health reasons or whatever, and I go directly to heaven, my story is better with Jesus. So Jesus' return helps me with my attitude adjustment. Second, Jesus' return helps us know how to live today. Now, there are several things that the verses that we read talked about how we are supposed to live today. But I want you to remember something. Some of you are in this season of your life, and some of you, you'll have to remember this. But when we are kids and our parents would go out on a date and leave us with a babysitter, something interesting used to happen, at least in my life and in my home. You, see if you can um, relate to what used to happen with me and my brother. At first, my brother and I, we would think we could get away with everything. Like as soon as our parents left the door, we would, my brother and I would be like, ha. <laughs> But if the babysitter was good, she would immediately correct us and remind us that your parents are coming back (laughs) soon. So you can't destroy the house. You can't leave your room a mess. You can't have a party here. You can't wreck everything because your parents are coming home. And so we'd think about it for a second and then we'd realize Ah, darn, she's right. That's the truth. Our parents are coming home. And you know what's going to happen when mom and dad come home. When mom and dad come home, uh, several things are going to happen. At least this is how it happened in my home. Number one, we would be held accountable for how we treated the authority above us, the babysitter. Second, we would be held accountable for how we treated one another as brothers, because my brother and I, most of the time, I'd say like 99.9% of the time, we loved each other. We were so kind to one another. we I'm going to talk about lying later. I can't do that. Thank you. you shouldn't lie in church. I shouldn't lie in church. We'd be held accountable for how we treated our brother, how I treated my brother. And then lastly, thirdly, we would be held accountable To how we obeyed the rules of our family. Because we know the rules of our family. And just because mom and dad leave doesn't mean we get to throw out the rules of our family. They still apply just because mom and dad aren't there right in front of us. The same is true with God Jesus is coming back. He's coming back, and the same thing will happen. We will give an account for how we lived. How we treated the authority in our lives, how we treated people in our lives, and how we obeyed the rules of our family. These are the things we were held accountable for. And we have to remember, God's word changes our life. And the fact that Jesus is going to return and believing that Jesus is a coming king helps us respect his world respect everything in his world, and love everyone in his world. See, it helps us live right. Acts 1 tells us to stop focusing on when Jesus is going to restore his kingdom and focus on people. Stop thinking about when I'm going to restore the kingdom, Jesus said, and make disciples. Focus on people. Focus on being a witness Now, this starts with the way we live. Our witness starts with the way we live because the world is watching. The world is watching what we say, how we respond to people around us, how you treat the coworker that nobody likes, how you're working through a difficult situation in your life. People are watching, and you know what they're looking for? Well, you call yourself a Christian. Is Jesus really real? That's what they want to know. Is Jesus really real? Because you're the only Jesus I know. You're the only representation of Jesus I know in my life. And so I'm going to watch you and figure out is Jesus really real? And so while we're waiting for the return of our King, Acts 1 says one of the ways we need to live is in the power of the Holy Spirit, because the world is watching. Peter said two important things about our lives while we wait for Jesus' return. He said two things, one in verse 11 and one in verse 14. Look at them with me. In verse 11, he said, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Then in verse 14, he said, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Now, Peter gives us actually four things, four things while we are waiting for King Jesus to return, that there are purposeful things that should be apparent in our life. These four things, holiness, a peaceful life, purity, and blameless. And what do those mean? Well, let me show you a couple verses to help us out with that. Holy and godly. That's the first one. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but we are called to be holy and godly. Now that happens as we don't conform. How many of you know that there is a pattern in this world? is it hard to see? Not really. It's pretty obvious. Pretty obvious what the pattern is just to get us closer to sin, more into sin, more struggling and dealing with the ungodly things in our world. That's the pattern. But we get to live in God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will as we transform our lives and renew our mind and live for Christ. So we have this holy and godly calling. Secondly, Peter said we're meant to live peaceful lives. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now here, it's interesting, peace and holiness are mixed together again. In fact, as I was looking for verses to talk about this, I was shocked how much peace and holiness were linked together. There were lots of verses where peace and holiness were linked. But in this verse in Hebrews, the writer says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Now, let's just break that down just for a minute. The first part, uh, because all of these these three things are really hard. First of all, make every effort. Okay? So 100% of the time, do you try to live peaceful? (laughs) That's a tough one, right? make every effort because there's sometimes where you're like, I don't want to live peaceful right now. I just want to crush you and get you out of my face, right? I don't want to live peaceful with you right now. I just want you to leave me alone. I just want you to go away. Sometimes that's how we are, but that's not peaceful. That's not Jesus. The second little phrase says this, make every effort to live in peace, in peace, in peace. The way that you and I are called to live is in peace, not in judgment, not in anger, not in frustration, none of that. Peace, not in stress, not in anxiety. Live in peace. Now, how can I live in peace? Because I know the end of the story. So the middle of the story, I can live in peace because I know the end of the story. Live in peace. And then the last one is the easy one with everyone. Like that, we... We could probably just move on because I know that with everyone, just you, you don't probably have any problems with anyone in your life or anyone you work with or anyone in your family. So it, 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 we could just, no? Dang it. Why does a word have to be so hard sometimes? With everyone? Why can't it say like, with all the people I like? With all the people that are just like me? With everyone, and here's what's interesting: uh, when you do a really good Greek study of this word "everyone," guess what it means? It means everyone. It means all people, every race, every tribe, every tongue, every person, every person that you're having a great time with in life, every person that you're having a hard time in, with in in life the people that hate you, the people that like you, the people that are your friend, the people that are your enemy, the people that like our country, the people that don't like our country. It's everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Now, can you do that? Can I do that? Not without the Holy Spirit. Not without Jesus. Not without knowing the end of the story, so that in the middle of the story... I can just say, I can choose to love. Because at the end of the story, Jesus is going to make everything else all right. I can choose to love right now, and I can even choose to get taken advantage of. I can even choose to get stuck in persecution. I can even choose to have a very, very challenging thing in my life that never gets fixed until the end of my story, because in the middle of it, I want to see Jesus exalted. That only happens... That only happens, in my opinion, because we know the end of the story. If we didn't know the end of the story, it would make the middle a lot tougher. But we do know the end. And so the middle should make a lot more sense. The third thing is pure. Live a pure life. In James chapter 1, verse 27, James says this, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So James says this, a pure life in Christ means two things. One, you're serving people. That's who you are. I am serving people that need care. Orphans and widows. Now what, in particular, why in the first century are orphans and widows uh, on that list? Because they have no one to take care of them. See, everything is built around the family structure in the first century. It's only in our modern day right now that we have been tearing the family apart. As you tear the family apart, who gets stuck needing the most care? Orphans and widows. And other people that are without the whole family that God has. And so what James is saying is those that are struggling because they do not fit into the societal norm of the family and do not get cared for are who you are to be serving or who you are to be taking care of. And then secondly, he says, don't let the world corrupt you. Don't let the world corrupt you. Now that's hard to do in our day, isn't it? Because everywhere we turn, there's the world right there, right there in our face all the time. And so you and I have to make good decisions uh, about purity with our eyes, with our mind, with our ears, because what we let in is going to dictate what our mind thinks, how our heart's working, and how we choose to live life. So if I'm letting a whole lot of negativity in, what's going to come out? Negativity. Negativity. If I let a whole lot of judgment about other people come in, then a whole lot of judgment is going to come out. So we have to be very careful about what we're letting in through our eyes and our ears and our emotions, the people that we hang out with, that all works towards our purity. Because whether we like it or not, there are things around us that can corrupt us and break that down and... Before we know it, we're not living a very pure pure life before the Lord. The fourth one is blameless. Live blameless. Well, what does that mean? Well, in Revelation chapter 14, verse 5, those that were living for Jesus, it says this about them. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. So blameless has a lot to do with what comes out of our mouth and how we talk and how we sound. Do I sound like Jesus Or do I sound like myself? Do I sound like uh, someone that's loving you and wants to care for you? Or do I sound like someone that just wants you to go get a job and work it out yourself? Not that that's a bad thing, but you know what I mean. See, this way, Jesus is glorified through our lives while we wait for his return. So the second thing is Jesus' return helps change our life today. The third thing that happens while we are waiting for the return of Jesus is Jesus' return helps us stay on mission for Jesus. The Church of Jesus Christ has a mission. And that mission is to help people believe in Jesus. And understanding Jesus' return helps us stay on mission. Now let's go back to Acts chapter one and let's hit this again um, because it's noteworthy, okay? Okay. let's just set this up just for a minute. In Acts chapter 1, um, the disciples, they're hanging out with Jesus. They don't know that Jesus is getting ready to leave. Uh, And Jesus says a couple things. The first thing he says is in verse 4 and following, hey, when I leave, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to hang out there and wait for the gift that my father has given you, the Holy Spirit. And you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then, as they're gathered around him, they ask him this question Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, what they're asking is this question Okay, Jesus, we were with you a couple weeks ago when you rode the donkey into Jerusalem. We got that, we understood it, it made sense. It, um, you know, it answered all the prophetic material that you needed to answer as you rode in on this little donkey, and you rode into Jerusalem, and that was great, and you died on the cross. I'm kind of starting to get that, uh, but now you've risen from the dead, and so now we're at a, we're at a totally different playing field, because like, I don't know if you noticed this, but like, nobody can kill you. Like, let's go, Like, let's go back into Jerusalem and conquer this thing and kick the Romans out and get back to living life like we want to. Like, nobody can kill you. This is really cool. Like, right? And Jesus is like, nah. You don't get the kingdom. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is not another earthly kingdom. The kingdom is spiritual. It's personal. It's peace in you, not peace in the world. And so Jesus has to help them out and help them understand that it's not for you to know the times and the dates that God's going to restore what will happen on earth. Your mission is simple. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Cheney, in Medical Lake, in Spokane County, in Washington State, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. That's the mission. That's it. By the way, I would like to add, as you move on, there's no plan B. There's only plan A. That's it. That's the mission. So let me ask you, are you on mission for Jesus? It's a simple yes or no. Either you are or you aren't. That's the job of the church of Jesus Christ while we are on earth. And there's lots of ways that you can be on mission. But what I would like to say is every single one of us needs to be on mission. You need to find your role. You need to find your place. You need to discover where you can serve in the church or out of it. Every single one of us is on mission. Let me give you an example of this. The church of Jesus Christ can either be like a cruise ship or like a battleship. On a cruise ship, what happens? The servants run around and take care of 4,000 people on the cruise ship. So, 4,000 people hang out on the cruise ship, lounging around, taking time, basking in the sun, playing cards, doing whatever else you do on a cruise ship. On a battleship, what's the difference? Everybody has a job. Nobody gets to go out on the deck, right? If you watch a YouTube about a battleship, you never see one of the Navy men out on the, ba- on the, on the deck like sunbathing, <sighs> right? That, that's not happening. All 5,000 men and women on the battleship, every single person has a job because they're on mission. That's the church of Jesus Christ. We're all called to be on mission, so let me, let me tell you how that works out practically for us. Um, and, and please don't hear me like, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm just going to say it. It means that April and Rebecca have more volunteers than they need for VBS. That's what it means. It means that AMP has more volunteers at camp and they have to actually figure out where to, put everybody. It means that we have so many people wanting to teach Bible study and small groups and be a part of things that we don't even have to ask anymore. It means that every single one of us has found our role in the body of Christ and we're on mission for Jesus. It means every week, every month, every one of us is doing what Jesus has called us to do. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I served in the nursery for a while and I found out that, was, that wasn't my role. Okay, great. But what what did you find out your role is? <laughs> Are you doing that? Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to be on mission for Jesus. Now, most importantly, we're called to be witnesses for Jesus. That means wherever we go, whatever we're doing at work, at play, at home, wherever. We are living for Christ, and the life of Jesus Christ is spilling out of us to everyone around us because we are a witness for Jesus. We are talking about Jesus. We are, our life is exuding Jesus. Everything about us is about Jesus. This is why our mission as a church is that we exist to help people know Jesus and live for him daily. This is is the mission. It's the same thing that Peter said in 2 Peter 3, 9 9 and 15. He said, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And then verse 15, and remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. See, our mission is to help others repent and be saved. God's not being slow in coming back. He's being patient. Now, in particular, God has a, a very specific kind of patience <laughs> that Second Peter revealed to us. And his, his patience is extraordinary because it says a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. So that means that God has been waiting to, to make Jesus king and reveal to the world that Jesus is king for about two days. It's been about 2,000 years since Jesus died on the cross, right? So God's been waiting for two days. <laughs> now we don't look at it that way, do we? We look at, wow, there's been a lot of water under the bridge. We've had 2,000 years and there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in that 2,000 years. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't see it or honor it or is like just like clueless about it. It's just that God is way more patient than you and me. You and I have like, you know, McDonald's patience. I want to tell you there and pick it up there. And God says, well, I can say it in that microphone. And then if they're okay, could I come back and get it in 1,000 years? Like, well, it won't be warm, but it's all right. See, our lives will change when we believe in Jesus as our coming King. It'll change. You'll discover your mission, you'll discover how to live, and you'll discover what kind of attitude to have the rest of your life. That's what it means to understand that Jesus is our King. Now There there will be areas of our lives that we will notice need to get worked on. I want to work on that area of my life because King Jesus might come back today and I I just, I want to be ready for him. I I just want to be ready for him. I love him so much. When he comes back, I, I just want him to know I did my best while I was here for you. I loved you so much, I wanted my life to be as pure as I could. So I watched what I looked at and what I listened to and who I hung out with and I want you to know as often as I could. I talked to people about you because you're the most precious thing in my life, and so I, I talked to everyone that would listen to me about you and Jesus gosh, what, what you've done for me is just extraordinary. I just, I just wanted everyone to know that and experience that. And so uh, I, I let my life be about serving you. I found somewhere in my church to serve and in my community to serve. And gosh, there's my neighbors going through some tough times, so I'm helping them. And there's that, there's that single mom that lives across the street. And so every time it snows, I'm taking care of her snow. And I'm taking care of mine, and I'm just gonna look for places that I can serve people in Jesus' name because when you come back, and I I can't wait till you come back, I just wanna be ready. This is what it means to live a life that's ready for King Jesus. When I was in Bible college, I heard a story given to us by our president back then. This is a story that was, he related to us. He was like five. And he was staying at his grandma's house. And he woke up in the morning and got out of bed and wandered into the front room and he found his grandma standing by the plate glass window of their house just staring off into space and she didn't even know he was there didn't even notice he was there and so he just kind of sauntered up and grabbed grandma's hand and she reached down and grabbed his and he looked up and said grandma what are you doing she said well Ron I'm just wondering if today's the day Well, why are you just staring off out the window, Grandma? Because today could be the day Jesus comes back. And if it is, I want to be ready. I hope you do too. Would you stand with me? I want to ask you a question as we leave. Who are you trying to point to Jesus with your life? Because there's people all around you that are, they're spiritually unresolved. They need Jesus. And there's people all around you that are acting in certain ways that you may or may not like it's all because they're missing Jesus and we get to be the answer for their life we get to be the Jesus that's in their life every single day and there are times it's hard and it's difficult but we get to live in the power of the spirit Get to have the Holy Spirit working in and through us in every single moment. So I just want you to think about that person or those people. And would you just close your mind, close your eyes and just think about that person. Maybe those people. Maybe it's an entire people group on another place on this planet. Holy Spirit, each of us in this room right now are thinking about a person or some people that we know need you, Jesus. And Jesus, we wanna be the people that love well. We wanna be the people that give Jesus to a lost and hurting world. And that means, Lord, that we're gonna need our attitude of justice once in a while. And so we give you the freedom to do that. We're gonna to need to be reminded about how to live holy and godly, blameless and pure righteous lives before our King before the world so that they see Jesus in us. Help us to not be corrupted by this world, Lord, and help us to say no to ungodliness. Even though it's really hard and even though the temptations are super strong and even though the world is pulling really hard and we're swimming up a strong stream, Lord, help us to have the strength of the Holy Spirit behind us, in us, through us and Lord help us to be on mission for you help us to not take lightly at all that the church of Jesus Christ is meant to help others believe in Jesus, that's our job and help each of us to discover the role that we have in that mission the gifts that you've given us to fulfill that mission, the talents that you've placed inside of our life to fulfill that mission. Jesus, would you help our church right here at Cheney Face Center to be a great example of Jesus and Cheney on the West Plains and to the ends of the earth. Help us to be a people that love one another well, model to the world what it means to love people and to love them well too. And to Lord Use the resources that you've given us for your kingdom, for the glory of your name. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we all said, amen, amen. See, the return of Jesus is really important. It helps us live our life today. We're going to have some people that uh, are ready to pray for you this morning. If you'd like to stick around, you just feel like there's something you want to pray about maybe some physical healing or something that's just happening in your life and you want to pray, those prayer people will be up here in just a minute. Uh, Thanks for coming to church. And always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.